Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be giving my commentary on Sister Wives, Season 3, Episode 10, Sister Wives on the Strip. This episode was interesting. The wives spend time together. They have a girls' night checking out the Vegas Strip. And Robin is skeeved out because she has a stalker. If you want to see something funny, check out Robin's face when she first notices this guy on her radar. It's priceless. Her mouth is wide open. She looks like she's in complete fear when all this idiot wants is probably some camera time in the limelight. I think in Robin's mind, he wanted her. With that ego, of course, it became about Robin when it's really some creepo, weirdo performer who is in an outfit, in a costume, who kind of lurks, and he just wants some camera time. And Robin is eating it up. She thinks it's about her. And this episode, Kotex plays Mr. Mom. I have to tell you, every time, by the way, I hear Cody's tagline, love should be multiplied, not divided, I chuckle. Normally, I fast forward through this time I let it play. And when I think of that line, love should be multiplied, not divided, I think of the cold sores that keep multiplying in that family. So much love and love and love and love multiplied. The gift that keeps on giving. Now, in all seriousness, obviously, cold sores shouldn't have such a stigma with them and you shouldn't be embarrassed if you have anything like that. There are ways to manage it. It's just interesting that a lot of the times in the earlier seasons, you know, Robin came in with the cold sores and then everyone in the family started showing cold sores on camera. And there are a lot of different ways to keep it under control and to manage it in a safe, healthy way. The episode opens Janelle working out with her trainer, Bill, right by her side. And Janelle explains that they have a lot going on right now. The sister wives have all been working out and it's almost time for the sister wives 30-day progress check-in with their trainer, Bill. Janelle says this experience has been so life-changing for them that they have decided that they are going to open up a fitness center of their own. They even have a meeting with an investor set up. See, I've always said that Janelle's gym made much more sense and it seemed much more feasible than doing Robin's ridiculous niche jewelry business. Janelle is very intelligent, she's ambitious, she has a strong work ethic, and she has her degree, she's business-minded, and she's also financially cognizant, so any business Janelle would have started would probably succeed. Yet instead of going with Janelle and her idea and her expertise, Cody went with the family business being my sister wife's closet, and we all know that the family lost a lot of money on that one. Cody took out an exorbitant loan, to fund his favorite wife's dream. And at least she tried, and it's always good to try to achieve your dreams. But using family money and taking out loans and investing in that impractical dream was a loss financially for the family. When if the family went with Janelle's fitness center idea, I believe eventually it would have done well and generated a profit. Janelle is not gonna gamble with family money on dreams and clouds and cherub angels. She gets business, she gets finances, and she gets what it takes to plan and turn a seed into a fruitful tree. She had the skills, she had the drive, and it felt more practical and reasonable and logical to me to do a fitness center versus my sister wife's closet. Let's recall the last family business meeting and what happened there. Janelle mentioned how no one takes her ideas seriously, especially the one she's excited about. And Cody had some dumb idea he was very passionate about doing a family restaurant. 
And even Robin mentioned how for this family business to work, all the wives and Cody had to love whatever idea they went with. They all had to agree and they all had to be invested in it. I think the fitness center was a much better idea than my sister wife's closet. And everyone maybe should have listened to Janelle. In the end, although everyone at the meeting agreed that everyone had to love the idea they went with as a family for the business, they went with Robin's dream of my sister wife's closet. And as we recall, Janelle and Christine weren't too excited about it. Janelle even mentioned that she doesn't see this niche business being a way to really profit and sustain the family. And we could all see she was right. I can only imagine what would have happened had Janelle gotten an equal opportunity to pursue this fitness center. The Browns have a meeting with an investor. Janelle has a very strong work ethic. She gets an idea and she sees it to fruition. She's ambitious, she's intelligent, she's independent. And she makes sure that there's an investor. With Robin, she just went to Cody and Cody went to his friend, the pawn shop guy, to just get a loan and his collateral was her shitty jewelry. But we know the guy probably got his money back because the same guy that loaned Cody the money, at least on the show, officiated McKelty and Tony's wedding, the pawn shop guy. Mary plans on working out a lot. She wants to work out with Bill four or five times a week. She wants to step it up and she wants to see results. And Bill tells Mary that she is very stressed out and it might inhibit her. And that stress will indicate that either they will get crap out of a session or Mary will use her stress, she will release it through her workouts, and she will get gold out of her workout. Bill doesn't want anyone overworking, and Janelle wants to become religious about doing cardio four workouts a week. That's her new goal. I really admire how ambitious Janelle is and how strong her work ethic is even with her fitness, even when it's not fun. Bill mentions how when he first saw Janelle come into the gym, at first she couldn't even do a minute on the Stairmaster, but now she is doing the Stairmaster for three minutes and not just one time during her workout. Christine's goal is to still work out with Bill three times a week, but she wants to see a difference. She wants to see weight loss. Bill says Christine is always razzing him. She's always bubbly and full of life and vibrant and fun. So they have a lot of fun together during their workouts, Christine and Bill. Christine says the move and everything that happened in Utah has been really hard on her. So she tells viewers that she had a couple of anxiety attacks and it was debilitating and she gets the baby blues really bad and recovering after truly was very hard. It wasn't okay. And a new wife coming into the family rocks the boat a bit. So Christine went on antidepressants and anti-anxiety pills. And now the exercise has made so much of a difference in her life that she is halfway weaned off of her pills now and she uses half of the medication that she used to. Good for Christine. Look at how brave she is and how courageous she is. You can tell that she is uncomfortable with discussing her struggles, but it is so brave, it's very important, and it's very courageous. And we know behind the scenes how unhappy Christine was and how stressed she felt and how sad she felt and how much she hated living the lifestyle. But the show had to go on, and Christine put on a smile. She had a smile on her face as she sold polygamy to the masses, and she sold their brand of the lifestyle to the world. Christine had to tout the benefits of polygamy while inside she hated it and she struggled with it. 
Plus, she had to film and she got no help from Cody and a new wife coming in and the move. Another point is Christine's relationship really changed the most drastically with Robin's arrival. Christine had been the last wife for almost 20 years and she wasn't expecting this. She also got no validation from Cody and she got no help from Cody even though she was overwhelmed with the kids, she was overwhelmed with her situation and she literally and figuratively was the basement wife and she felt like the basement wife. It's very hard to be vulnerable. It's very hard to be open about your struggles and to be open about your suffering. And it takes a lot of courage and strength to be able to discuss it. So there is no shame in needing help or suffering or needing support. So now at this point, Christine is halfway off of her medication just because she started working out. That's how profoundly this fitness journey has changed her life. Christine feels really good and she says, There was one day that she had a very hard workout and she felt like crying afterwards. And then Bill praised Christine. He told her, good job. And he told her this was how she needed to feel. And he said, Christine needed emotional workouts. She uses her workouts to release her struggles and her emotions and her stress. Although she struggles now because of working out, she doesn't have to take as many pills as she had to. And she says, it's the best. Christine is so brave. Cody says, when his wife started working out, he met Bill and he and Bill hit it off like they were brothers. They started discussing their ambitions in life and they both wanted to have their own fitness business. And Bill brought in an investor, somebody who knows the business, a consultant. So Cody and Bill might work together. Bill knows fitness training and Cody says he and his wives know business. Cody feels like he can sell this. Now, do you guys remember both times? One, when Cody put the open house sign at the street corner, when he and his wives were setting up an open house in Vegas for Mona. And Cody said he wanted to be a real estate guru. He was an entrepreneur. And also the episode where Cody told his old high school friend that in a month or less, he'll be getting his real estate license and he has a lot of opportunities, but that didn't pan out. Now he's working on a gym that also didn't pan out, but he's really good at business. He knows business and he put all of his money and he took out exorbitant loans. He put it all on my sister wife's closet and that also didn't quite pan out. But Cody is a world-class businessman. He's an entrepreneur. Cody fancies himself a businessman, but he has a dwindling reality show. Most people watch just for his ex-wives. They hate watch his scenes or the scenes with Robin. And Cody's only other employment is going from expo to expo peddling gun accessories. But he fancies himself a business guru, a real estate guru, an entrepreneur. It's been a month or more since that episode where he said he was getting his real estate license in less than a month. There were so many opportunities. He still doesn't have his real estate license at this point, but there were so many opportunities. This guy seems like a wheeler and dealer. He's a used car salesman with delusions of grandeur. The investor labeled as the health club consultant says it's good timing to open a fitness center. He says fitness is a good industry. It's bigger than ever. And his words of advice are square footage is important because they want to make sure the gym is big enough to accommodate everything. 
Yes, let's make sure the space we lease is big enough to fit all the exercise machines and equipment. I never would have considered that. This man is so insightful. As he is speaking, it looks to me like he is reading these Captain Obvious comments from a notebook. He is looking down, literally reading notes. Janelle says, if they found the right building that was just a little bit smaller, and then she mentions access and parking, and she says, if she gets home from work and she's tired, if there are any barriers to getting to the gym, she will talk herself out of it, so she'll use it as an excuse not to go. But she says, if it's really easy, like pull in and walk in, she will be more likely to go to the gym. Most gyms are like that. Most gyms are in strip malls or shopping centers with lots and lots and lots of parking unless you're in a very urban area at the heart of it, like maybe the middle of New York City. Most gyms don't have parking issues, so it was very interesting that Janelle worried about a lack of close parking possibly dissuading people. The consultant wants the Browns to start looking for a location, and he says that's the biggest thing. Cody feels that the meeting went great, and he's confident that Nick, the consultant, knows the business, so Cody says Nick is the perfect partner for the Browns. Nick, who needed to read from a notebook to tell the Browns the insight as a consultant that the building needs to be big enough for all the gym equipment. Janelle confirms that Nick was the puzzle piece they were missing. She says they, the Browns, had the vision, the Browns had the manpower, but Cody adds they have Bill the trainer, but they also needed someone to put it on the ground for them. And Nick is that person. Robin says that Nick didn't even blink twice about their family being a plural family. Nick and the Browns were investing together, and probably Nick was the primary investor. They needed Nick's money, and as long as Nick thinks it's feasible and it will be lucrative and he will be making money, why would he care about the lifestyle of the people he partners with or how they live or how they structure their family or how they believe? I wouldn't care as long as there was trust and respect and ethics how anyone chooses to live. It's business. It isn't personal. And the lifestyle of people you partner with or invest with has nothing to do with your business. Oh, Robin gushing that Nick didn't even care. Why would he? It's like they assume everyone will care or everyone will have a problem with how they live as polygamists. No one cares. Most people really don't. Cody says that this is fun and they're looking forward to this business, but he says it'll be a lot of work and they'll be busier than ever with it. Billy, will they be busier than ever? Because as I recall, this fitness center gym idea just kind of vanished into thin air and suddenly Janelle had a different trainer. So who knows what happened? Next, Mary and her sister wives head to get pampered. They're gonna get manis and petties and makeovers. And after that, they're going out together to have fun, for girls' night, and they are hidden Sin City, or as Robin likes to call it, Sunset City. They have some interesting attire going on. Janelle and Christine are in button-up shirts, almost in business casual, and Mary and Robin are sporting the three-quarter sleeve shirts with the flowy tank tops on top. Robin says, in the FLDS church, you will see women and they all look alike, and their dresses are very similar, and their hair is very similar, and they all don't wear makeup. 
She says there is a box, basically. And Robin clarifies that isn't their church. The way the women dress on compounds isn't prescribed by their faith. They have that freedom. They have freedom of choice in their church. They can all sport all the Victoria's Secret they want to in their church. They aren't like those other polygamists. As the wives get makeovers, Janelle says there is nothing handed down over the pulpit from those in authority in their church saying it has to be this way. You have to do this to please God. Janelle says they cover their bodies because God wants them to be modest. And Christine adds, modest is hottest. The wives take pictures together after their makeovers and Christine explains that her biggest struggle is with her teenage girls with McKelty in particular, is modesty. McKelty loves to speak out by not wearing much. Now, I've seen McKelty dress on the show. She looks like a normal teenage girl and actually much more modest than a normal teenage girl because her parents flip out if she's even wearing a tank top. So honestly, I don't think she has that much of an issue. If McKelty and the way she tries to dress is an issue, they should have seen how most other normal American teenagers dress. Dean says, for their kids, they would like a longer sleeve and no cleavage showing, and they don't want their kids to have piercings or tattoos. Janelle told Madison that she wants her to wait till she is 18 to even pierce her ears. And Janelle doesn't like tattoos. She says it's fine if people get them, but she doesn't want them for her kids. But she says, regardless, when they're 18, her kids can decide what they want to do. Robin says when she sees their teens rebel or other teens rebel and get mad, she thinks the teenagers will thank them later. Yeah, later when their frontal lobes are fully formed. We all know how Robin is a stickler about that. Cody is staying home with the kids as the wives enjoy a night on the town to celebrate their fitness progress. So Cody's at Christine's as the wives get ready to leave. And Robin warns Cody that he has to sit with Dayton to get him to do his homework because she has to sit with Dayton to get him to do his homework. She has to sit there with him the whole time. And I think she expects Cody to do the same thing. I wonder if Dayton has trouble doing his homework and she has to sit with him because he refuses to do it, or if she just wants to micromanage him and be a helicopter mom. Robin wants Cody to get Dayton to do his homework. Cody has all the kids to watch and give attention to. I don't think it's fair for Robin to expect Cody to single out one kid, Dayton, when this Cody babysitting alone with the kids thing is a real rarity for them. It's an endangered breed of animal. And Cody should be spending time, quality time, and supervising all of his kids and not just leaving it to the older teenagers. He shouldn't be focusing solely on Dayton and his homework. As it is, Cody doesn't see his kids as often living in the four separate homes. So it's not really reasonable to expect Cody to give Dayton the majority of his attention in this situation. Janelle tells Cody that eventually her older kids are coming to join him. And Janelle says they left Cody with the kids and he has a deer in headlights look. Like, can I do this? And Janelle says Cody gets freaked out when he has to watch the kids. Brianna is throwing a tantrum and Cody says she just needs to eat. And Cody mentions he wasn't going to pick her up until 8. And Logan says he will take care of it. 
And Maddie tells her dad that they're taking the blue car. And Cody asks if they want to take his car, the midlife crisis car, the white two-door convertible Lexus. This man with now over 16 kids had as his car. Maddie and Logan are stoked like kids on Christmas to drive this car and Cody tells them it's at Robin's house. They can take it. Cody explains that he is having to run to four different houses all the time. What a first world country complaint. Oh, fuck. I have four houses with four wives. This is so hard having to run around to all four houses when there are people who can't even afford one home. There are refugees who don't even have a country who would love to have his problem. Cody explains that because he has to run between four different houses all the time, he despises loaning out his precious car because if he needs something, obviously he needs his wheels. Luxury, class, prestige, midlife crisis, Lexus. Cody knew he had to be at Christine's house with the kids for an extended period of time, so... That's why he let Maddie and Logan borrow the car. And Cody reminds Dayton to focus on his homework. And Cody explains that Dayton has Asperger's syndrome. It's a mild form of autism. And it causes Dayton to daydream or to hyperfocus. Cody says he realized Dayton was playing, he was distracted, and Cody couldn't get Dayton focused on his homework the way Robin told him to. So Cody took Dayton up to somewhere quiet. He took him up to Christine's room and Dayton let Cody know as well what he needed. He said he needs someplace quiet. Cody had Dayton sit there and do his homework alone and Dayton got zen and he did all of his homework. Dayton seemed like a really great kid and very highly intelligent. Janelle says when she goes down to the strip, it feels like a foreign world. Christine says she's as shocked as the tourists are on the strip. Back at Christine's, there's a lot of activity. Cody asks his sons to stop roughhousing on the couch. Cody's older kids walk in and McKelty is in a normal tank top. There's some cleavage, nothing crazy. And Cody glares at her shirt and he tells McKelty he needs to talk to her. And Cody explains to viewers that McKelty went to this meeting for school in this tank top. And he was beside himself. He said he thought he taught her better than this. And she should be dressed more modestly. Cody asks McKelty if she went to the meeting at school in this outfit. And she says she had to for a French project. And she told her mom. She is in pants and a black tank top that isn't even that low cut. Cody accepts what McKelty said about wearing this normal, pretty modest outfit to school, saying that she had a French project, that her mom knew about it. With a teenager, I would say pick your battles, and I don't know if that's a hill you need to die on, really. That shirt wasn't really anything scandalous at all. It was a normal tank top. Cody asks the wives what they're doing. They ate. Now they're going to go zip lining, except Robin, who they joke, swallowed a basketball. Ha ha ha. Hilarious. Ha ha. So funny. Mary likes adventure. So she was looking forward to zip lining. Christine and Mary are going to go. They're very nervous, but off they go. And when Mary and Christine are done zip lining and they get out of the zip line, A guy dressed like Jesus tells them that they pass. And the father of this guy was also dressed like God the Father. And he shakes their hands and tells them he approves it's all right. 
Christine says it was awkward seeing the father and the son. Mr. Mom orders pizza for everybody. They pray before eating. And Cody explains that having four homes, when you gather in one home, you aren't set up for a family of 21. It's loud. It's challenging. So they're always talking about the fact that they need a big home. Cody went upstairs to check on Dayton and his homework. And Dayton was doing his homework. And Cody did the right thing here. He praised Dayton as he should. And Cody was so pleased with himself. He was so impressed with himself that he helped get the homework done with Dayton as Robin demanded, as if it's the first time in his life as a father he ever helped a child of his do homework in 16 years with 16 kids. Cody has a huge grin on as he proudly declares, I helped get homework done, as if he climbed Mount Everest. Does this guy get that Christine had to do that with 13 kids all the time? It seems to me like this was Cody's first time. He didn't do this five days a week times 16. This was probably the first time he ever helped a kid with their homework. The moms are out tonight. They're having fun on their girls' night out. And Cody complains that he doesn't get a guy's night out. His wives are all out bonding, he says, and he seems a little resentful. Cody doesn't remember the last time he had a guy's night out. He says it's been months. How long does he think it's been for his wives? There's the time Cody goes out with his friend and the trainer after Bill. There's the time where Cody declares he's an alpha male. And that's the time with his friend and the trainer who worked with Janelle after Bill. There's the time he went out with his brothers. There's the time Cody went out for his bachelor party when he got married to Robin. How often do Cody's wives really get to go out for nights out at this point and not for a filming opportunity, just for fun? They probably rarely get to go out. Cody wants the kids to clean their room. Gwendolyn is sniffing a marker because it smells good. And Cody stops her and he asks why she is sniffing that as he rips the marker away from her. And he warns her that sniffing glue or paint or markers is harmful to your body. No huffing aloud. Don't get high. Don't get high off your scented markers. Aspen lets Cody know that these are scented markers. They are supposed to be sniffed and smelled. It's safe. It's kid safe. It's designed for that. And Cody has never heard of it. He says, wow. And he asks, what were they thinking? Maybe that kids like scratch and sniff. We even had scratch and sniff stickers and I was born in 83. So scented markers, scented stickers, scented this, scented that. It's not a new fangled thing, but it seems to be the first time Cody ever heard of it. Cody shouts at Leo, who is lounging in the recliner, that he needs them to do something besides sit as he grabs a ball away from a hyper kid. Cody is reaching his limit now, and Cody tells them he needs them to clear off the table so the kids can do their homework. And Leo lets Cody know They didn't know that Cody needed them to do that. And Cody wonders, is anybody listening? Cody is reaching the end of his rope here. Leo lets their dad know that he didn't tell them what he wanted them to do. And Cody responds that Leo is getting under his very, very, very thin skin right now. It's not Leo's job to play homemaker or babysitter. It's Cody's job to watch his kids. 
he's overwhelmed and he didn't seem to be delegating anything to the older kids. Yet he shouts at them for lazing around when they did not know from him directly what he needs them to do for him. They can't read his mind. They can't telepathically know what Cody expects of them. Cody says it's a big project to micromanage all the kids. Leo is frustrated and they yell crap and Cody asks them what's wrong and Leo has so much to do and they say they will end up with no time to do it because Cody expects them to help him. Brianna is crying as Cody tries to get her to finish her homework and he's coaxing her. He's goading her just that line and Brianna tells Cody she's tired. It's weird to me that the kids are doing homework at night after dinner. I get doing a snack and then doing homework and then playing and then doing dinner. The kids ate after playing and now they are dipping in energy and Cody expects focus and he expects homework after dinner at night. When Brianna complains of fatigue of being tired, Cody tells her he's tired too and he wonders if they should have a cry in the corner because he could really use one. Imagine what Christine had to do as the primary caregiver for all of the kids all of those years. Yet Cody takes the kids for one night with help from the older kids and he bitches about needing a cry in the corner and he talks of sacrifices he made in later seasons. But he refuses to ever acknowledge the huge sacrifice Christine made. And whenever it gets mentioned, Cody dismisses it and he minimizes it, yet he can't hang for a few hours of one night watching the kids and he proves he can't hang again when the wives go for a trip and truly falls ill. So let's remember all the effort and endurance the ex-sister wives had in nurturing and in raising the kids so diligently as Cody seemed more like a Disneyland dad who can barely handle one night with the kids. Next, the wives walk along the strip and Robin explains that this guy in a monster costume was following them around all night. Robin saw him several times. Could it be that this guy sees the cameras and he just wants some clout and some airtime and he isn't that into Robin? Or is this monster stalker man nefarious with bad intentions? Is he a stalker who only has eyes for the Robin Brown? Robin saw him several times and it scared her. And she says she kept moving herself away from being close to him. She was so scared. She says it was weird. She was feeling yucky energy, negative energy, bad energy from this guy. Janelle remembers this really cool silver guy pretending to be a statue. Christine found him to be darling with so much personality. Christine gave the guy some money and he wanted a kiss on the cheek and she air kissed him. She didn't quite touch his cheek though because that would be disgusting. And then the statue man wanted the other cheek kiss so Christine obliged. Then he wanted a kiss on the lips and of course Christine said fuck no. She remembered Cody's advice. She doesn't want this guy's hormones in her mouth and she also doesn't want the gift that keeps on giving. Christine said it was cute and he saw Robin's baby belly and his vibe and his energy was darling. Robin was enjoying the silver guy and then she explains that she felt a hand on her shoulder and she turned and the monster guy's face was right 
there. Robin screamed and she went over to Christine for protection and Christine had to walk off with Robin. Robin was so distressed. She was so freaked out. Robin says she was thinking, yeah, you don't mess with my sister wives. Yes, it's a sisterhood. Yeah, yeah, kumbaya, braids and all until you go to your sister wife's house and call her a liar times two. But no one messes with her sister wives as she snaps sassily to accentuate her loyalty, her protective nature over her sister wives. No one messes with her sister wives, now ex-sister wives, but Robin herself. It's okay if she messes with her sister wives. That's no problem. Her sister wives and their kids, who her husband, their now ex-husband, classified as the obstacles to his goals in life, as he now lives monogamously with Robin and she lives in her McMansion, paid for by Janelle and Mary, as she turned down her nose at Janelle's trailer. She said, no human should have to live that way, as her daughter asked if Savannah's bunk beds are the dog beds. And her other daughter said the bathtub looked like a foot bath. No one messes with her sister wives. No, no, no. No one but Robin herself. Back at Christine's, the kids are reading and Cody thinks the storm is past, his kids are tired, and Cody himself is exhausted. The older kids are taking their siblings back to their respective houses and Cody reminds his kids to brush their teeth and get their PJs on right when they get home. Cody takes Robin's kids home and he tells Aspen the formula is on the sink. Cody is staying over at Robin's house, so he heads over with Robin's kids as the older kids get everyone home and tucked in. Aspen is taking care of baby Truly at her house and Cody gets Robin's kids tucked in, something he refused to do for Christine and her kids when she needed help and she was working a part-time job during her high-risk pregnancy. Instead of Cody helping Christine a few nights a week, when they all lived in one house, he refused. And Aspen, at 10 years old, had to be parentified, tucking her siblings in when her mom had to work. Cody lived in the same house as all of his wives and kids back then, but he said Christine was asking for more than the other wives and he had other wives and kids to spend time with, so he just could not tuck her kids in twice a week. It was too much, and Aspen did it at 10 years old. But here, he tucks in Robin's kids with no problem whatsoever. Now Cody is waiting on the couch at Robin's house for his soulmate to head home. Cody texted all four wives, and they lost track of time. They didn't know it was so late. They were thinking of now going to play mini golf. And Cody is surprised by this because it's so late. It's 1120 at night. Since it's Cody's night at Robin's house, I think Cody just wants time. Get some of that best customer treatment from Robin since the kids are all sleeping. She loves treating Cody like her best customer. Robin knows it's 1120 and the wives seem very uninterested in talking to Cody on the phone. The phone is breaking up, there is loud screaming, there's a lot of noise in the background. Cody asks if Robin has even left yet. He asks if the wives are still out there. And Robin tells Cody they haven't had any falafel. Now, I don't know if she's just fucking with him or if she misheard him. 
but she tells Cody they haven't had any falafel. Robin tells Cody bye. It doesn't seem like she is in the mood for customer service tonight. Mary tells Cody to rock on. Cody laughs and he repeats it back to her. Cody is laughing and his response to his wives having fun together, being silly is, wow. And he says if he didn't know the character of his wives, he would say a wild time was happening. Once the wives got down to the end of Fremont Street, it was a more adult version of the strip. There were go-go dancers and electronic billboards with strippers. Nothing too crazy, nothing off color or out of the ordinary, especially for Vegas. Mary says they realized they went past where they should have gone. And Christina's done once she sees the go-go dancers. Mary hates this part of it. It's interesting that a go-go dancer in some booty shorts and a bikini top, they can't do, but they're all cool, the sister wives, with sharing the same dick. God wants that for them, but God is not cool with a go-go dancer in a bikini top and some booty shorts dancing on the side of the street or on top of a bar. That's not cool. Robin says, people look at their lifestyle, four wives sharing one man, and they think it's all about sex. Clearly not for Cody. No one is under the illusion that Cody wants this for sex. Cody stopped having sex with Mary and Christine around Vegas, and he seemed not that into sex, at least not with all the women he is married to. So we all know Cody wasn't in it for the sex. Robin says, if it was all about sex, why take on the responsibility of a wife? Why have her children? Why be there for her emotionally? And the wives all agree. Is Cody there for his wives emotionally, all of his wives? With Christine, when behind closed doors, she told him she hated polygamy. He got angry with Christine for bursting his fantasy bubble and tainting what he remembered as positive memories. When Janelle told Cody about her needs, he would warn her if she mentioned it again, he'd get angry. When Mary complained of her jealousy and insecurity in tears, Cody explained that she signed up for this and he would never even mentally try to put himself in her shoes because it would feel bad for him. So was Cody really there emotionally for his wives or did he just prioritize one wife's emotions? Mary says when she looks at the dancers on the bar, she thinks it's sad. That's someone's daughter. That's somebody's little girl. Janelle says, for her, because they dress so conservatively and they have conservative views, when she sees things that are so blatantly opposite from her, you think, oh, everybody gets to choose. Some choose that life out of necessity and some choose it because they don't mind the attention. Janelle says she has to let everybody choose just like she asks that everybody lets her choose her life. It's been a month since the wives started going to the gym and working with Bill. So now they're going to get weighed in and check their progress. Janelle feels good, so she says, when talking about intangible things, now when she's cleaning her house, she can bend over, she can grab things off of the floor. She has much more strength. She has more energy. Mary is afraid that she will get discouraged with this weigh-in and check-in. Christine fears being bigger than when she started. Christine says Robin should be bigger, of course, with her pregnancy. Robin says she is looking at her sister wives thinking they look smaller, they look thinner. 
Christine is stressed and she wants this over with and fast. She wants to know her results. Bill comes out and Mary tells Bill to come tell them how fat they are. They're all very nervous. Bill does the weight first. Christine would like to lose 10 pounds. That's her goal, but she is only down three pounds. That is better than zero pounds. She is disappointed that she didn't lose the 10 pounds. Christine says there's a mentality where you have to build muscle and your body's going to change and you have to make a lifestyle choice. And she says it's blah, blah, blah for her. She would rather just lose the weight. Mary lost two and a half pounds. Mary also was hoping to drop 10 pounds. She says some of them, pointing to herself, didn't work. It's hardly anything, she said. It's more than zero pounds. It's better than zero pounds. So it's not hardly anything. Janelle was supposed to lose 20 pounds and she lost three pounds. Janelle says she is letting go of that goal and she will ride this health journey. Bill explains that they don't want to lose 10 pounds too quickly because they can gain it right back. And he says they stress their bodies out and their stress is important. He says it's mind, body, it's everything. And Bill is looking at Mary when he says this because Mary presents her stress more than the other wives. Mary feels like she picks up on everything around her and she can't let it go. So Mary says she is feeling this whole situation with Cody and the homes and the kids. And she worries if the family will be able to make the rent payments this month and all this stuff she is stressing about. Mary cries and she says she can't do anything about it. The things that stress her out, there is nothing she can do about it. Mary carries a lot of stress with her and she doesn't know how to get rid of it, she says. Bill is working with Mary on her stress and letting it go at the gym through working out. And Bill really hopes to reduce Mary's stress so that she can get the results she wants weight-wise. He says otherwise, if they can't fix the stress, Mary is wasting her time working with him. Mary says she worked too hard to not have that anger and to not have her anger out affecting other people. She works hard to keep her anger in, and the trade-off is she internalizes everything. So with everything going on with the family and with the investigation, Mary doesn't know what to do with her anger and stress. Maybe if Mary had a husband who listened to her when she speaks, who empathized with her, who validated her, it would be easier for Mary to deal with her stress and her anger. But instead, Cody advises Mary to do something about it or she cannot do something about it. And he says, if you can't do anything about it, let it go. Mary says she doesn't know how to let it go. I think Mary likes to feel like she is in control and like there are answers. But with Robin coming in and changing the dynamic and Cody kind of abandoning Mary, not only with intimacy, but emotionally, it's hard because her house is farther away than all the other wives. And she just has Cody whenever he comes around. And Leo is almost 18. Mary doesn't have a lot of friends yet in Vegas, and she probably feels very isolated. And she probably isn't always the hubbub in the center of the family because she only has Leo. So she's not around the houses that have a lot of traffic from the kids. They don't have to discuss things regarding the kids in the family. So Mary probably feels like the most isolated and the most alone. And it doesn't help that her house is the farthest from everyone else's. 
On top of all of this, they don't know how they will pay the bills. Nothing is certain. Nothing is secure. And she doesn't have the support coming from her husband and her sister wives. And her sister wives might try with Mary, but they have kids and they have busy lives. So Mary is kind of like the odd one out and she's really struggling to cope. She's struggling for security. She's struggling for answers. And she knows she can't do anything and she can't live with the stress of not having that security, that certainty of how things will go, how they will be. And her husband doesn't understand He tells her, let it go, just leave it. But when there is nothing to cling to that is sure and secure, it's hard to let go and believe it'll just all work out. I think if Mary felt like she had more of a support system from Cody or her sister wives, if she got some type of reassurance and she felt like more of a part of the team, if she was less isolated, she might have less stress. It's easy for Cody to let go. He lets go and he lets his wives. He isn't there for them emotionally. He isn't there to meet their needs as a husband, but he can easily let it go because he knows if he doesn't solve it, he can rely on his wives, just like he relied on Janelle and Mary to pay for his McMansion with the proceeds from their Vegas homes and the joint account. That does it for this episode. To my YouTube viewers, please like, subscribe, and let me know your thoughts in the comments section if you like. To my podcast listeners, please follow this podcast and rate it if you like. I'll be back next week with the next episode of My Sister Wives Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 11, Cody Climbs Into the Ring. That should be a good one. Thanks for listening. I'll see you soon. Bye.